Hi, I'm Damien Kingley, and this is the fucked up story of my life and the lives of my guests. In this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking to unique and inspiring individuals about their life, their personal stories, struggles, and experiences. Hey guys, welcome back to Damien King Lee, Life Is, and part two of The Bella's Life's Journey. I mean, was there any sort of point, and I'm sure there was my guess, in those early days where one of you said, you know what, I'm done here, I'm out, but the other sort of pulled the other one back in and said, we got to do this together. It's going to be more difficult to learn. I mean, you know, were there those moments? Is there, is there a specific example? <clears throat> that, um... Yeah, gosh. I mean, there was definitely those moments where we, you know, one wanted to quit and the other helped keep there. But I'm trying to think of like... Well, you know, you guys, I remember... Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I remember when you first started. I'm, I've known you guys a long time. <laughs> and, um, I remember yes. you'd, you'd get back to LA and we'd go out and, um, and uh, you know, one time we were in the back of a bar and she were trying to convince me to take a bump. <laughs> you know, oh my God, it's the best. It had to be Brie. had to be me with about five tequila shots. I meant a blessing bump. Yeah, you were just, and I remember thinking, you want to actually like shoulder slam me into the wall or onto the floor or something. I can't remember. But I remember that. They were, they were the new so Yeah, there was yeah, like yeah, something yeah. going on. But but I remember you were telling me a story about um, the uh, Jeff Hardy at the time who had really helped you guys out and, um, and had kind of, you know, been there and, and been really, you know, kind of um, a cheerleader for you guys. And, and you were really happy that, that, you know, you were making headway with some of the guys. And I remember there was a, a real definite change in, from from the, oh, God, kind of scenario that I had experienced with you guys previously to, to the time that, you know, you started seeing a light, I suppose, at the end of the tunnel. That's that's kind of what I meant. I mean, were there any specific people or, or times that you can kind of, you know, recall now that really had a, a profound impact on on the way your lives went forward? Oh, I mean, definitely. Like the one thing I will say is that when we did start, when we debuted on TV, there was like a close, like knit group of us who really just kind of powered through the long travel days and how hard TV could be. Definitely like the Hardy Boys, um, Shane Helms, um, Tommy Dreamer. There was a lot of like great guys that were surrounding us that were that were cheering us on and cheering all the women on. They, they wanted to see the women do better. Um, they really like took time to help us out with stories and in ring work. Um, I, you know, it's funny because Nicole and I did walk away from WWE for 11 oh, wow, months. Really? We did yeah. get to a point. At what stage? Yeah, yeah we got to a point. We were five, five years into Five it. years into WWE. Five years in. Mm-hmm. And Nicole and I just really wanted... A wrestler, we want to change. We were tired of just being treated kind of like the eye candy. We wanted wrestling storylines. And they literally told us like, well, we have no ideas for you. And it was our mom. Our mom always put in us like growing up and even to this day, live with no regrets. She always says, live with no regrets. But we talked to our mom about it and she was like, maybe you need to walk away so they know what they're missing. 
And we were like, okay, but it means no paycheck. And but we're starting bulls, over. Right? That, oh, sorry, bulls. Right. Um, did. Took mail, took no, that, but, you know, that, that's but totally true. It did. Yeah. And we did. We took the leap of faith. And we yeah. left. And we left at the end of our contract. So it was walking away with no money. And we were like, fingers crossed. They realized what they have and they're going to miss it. And I will say, how many, how long did it take for them to call us? Two weeks. Yeah. It was two, two weeks. weeks. That's good. We made them wait. Yeah. 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 And we did make I them wait. I always work on you, a week, but two weeks, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Two weeks. <laughs> we, you know, we thought double trouble too. Two weeks is good. That's good. Um, and, you know, even from the beginning of that and um, kind of what you uh, were touching on, Esna, is one thing I realized, and, and this goes for like any industry, and I know I would be the same if you know, a ballerina walked on the soccer field and was like, look, I'm going to do this. I'd be like, who do you think you are? <laughs> and that was kind of how we were when we came in the wrestling industry. We had no experience whatsoever, but we were craving to learn. We had a desire to learn a want. And when there was a shift is when I noticed that we finally proved ourselves. And Bree and I knew we had to prove ourselves and we gained the respect of the other wrestlers. Right. Can I ask and you a question? Why. When did you know that point had happened? When had you hit that point where, you know, we got them? They respect when we, us. I, re I remember just like when you'd come back from a match and it would be the guys like Jeff Hardy or um, Edge or Carlito or, or John Cena, all these different names. And they would be like, hey, that was a great match. And this is the great things you did. And oh my gosh, if you do this, it'll be even better. And that's when I was like, they have faith in us. Like we finally have proven our worth that we actually care about this industry. And now it's made them care about us. And it would make work so much more fun. And that's when your desire of wanting more kicks in because it's like, I love what I do and now I want more. Um, and and I think it's great when you have that opportunity to prove yourself. There's, but I love the challenge of it. how many years in from when you started to that point where you said, they finally respect us, they finally got us? I, would you say, Bree, two, three years in? At least three. Yeah. At least three, okay. Wow. So yes. you stuck at least, with it. Yeah, you're right. At, you, least, at least three. Yeah. And then when we really felt the shift is when Total Divas went on air. And Total Divas made such big waves for us at WWS women at WWE that it was weird to all of a sudden walk backstage and have the respect start there mm -hmm. instead of wow. having to go yeah. out and perform. It was yeah. starting backstage. It wasn't just for the it cameras. Was like, it was real. It was behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I was like, Whoa, like it felt different walking into the backstage of WWE. And the one thing I will say about the reality show is that, it, I think it showed our higher ups that there's so many different things to the women and that you could showcase on WWE television. And we started to take that onto, you know, into the WWE ring. And that's when I felt Nicole and I go from middle card women to like the top. It was like, it was crazy. And that was a time too, where we bet we would always beg Vince. Can we please dress different? Like we hate being <laughs> twins. <laughs> And mm -hmm. Total Divas is the reason why we started to be able to wear different gear. Like, we're still the Bella Twins. We're still a tag team. But we're also individuals. Like, we are different people. And we wanted to start showcasing that. But it was like the minute he allowed us to do that, Total Divas was on air. And they were giving us a little more time on television. 
Nicole and I felt ourselves go from middle card women to the top. That was the shift change. That feeling. That was it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was an incredible feeling. And it's when I'll always remember, like, I was like, this is what they say when you're in your prime. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, 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 you know, I was reading about you guys and, and, and trying to sort of understand how that must have been for you guys and the difficulties in the early stages. That's why I was curious to know how long it took when you actually said, it's happened, the shift changes happened. And three years to hang in there and, and be determined. And that's, that's, that's powerful, you know, that's determination and, and, and that's amazing. And, and I take that back to, to somebody I knew many years ago back home in Australia. And um, I served in the military back home once upon a time in Australia and I was in a certain military unit that um, you had to go through selection to 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 be selected to go into the into the unit at the time and there was a in part of our our military unit headquarters had females because it was an all-male unit you know it was all male only males back then and this is in the 50s right (laughs) just after just after how old do i look how old do i look (laughs) young very young yeah thank you and um there were some females that served in the regiment, but their jobs were in headquarters as clerks. They were uh, transport as drivers, and that was it. But all the operators, they were, you know, males. And there was this one particular woman, I'll just say her name now, her first name, her name was Debbie, I'll never forget her. And she was determined to go through selection at the time in this male-dominated world. It was only about men back then. And she wanted to earn her beret, and she, she said to the, the hierarchy at the unit, I want to do selection like the rest of the guys that are, that are going in for this unit to serve as an operator. And the guys at the time were like, you know, in the hierarchy, were like, no way, there's, women do not serve in these roles. And she just kept banging on and banging on. And the mm-hmm. guys in the unit were like, you know, <laughs> girls, you know, they will never be strong enough. You'll never be able to achieve what a man can do here. And I, it, was a, it was a very macho world. And I remember it very clearly. And I, I knew Debbie I knew Debbie from the unit. And, and I really liked her determination. I really liked who she was and how she said, you know, I'm a female. And I'm going to show you we're strong as men, if not stronger in certain areas and aspects. And they finally acquiesced after about, it was about, after about a year of her just banging and banging. And they let her go through selection. And she was, as far as I know, one of the first females ever to go through selection in the Australian... Special Forces? <laughs> this part of the military. Um, question, and, did she make it? Well, this is the point. She went through so much and she went through difficulties, probably in many ways, uh, when I look back at that, she took more pain... She took more of a struggle. She didn't complain. She never, never talked about it. She just gritted her teeth more so than any male that I saw go through that. And when we came to the end or when she came to the end, she didn't get selected. Mm. She didn't get selected, but she won the admiration of so many people that at that time were at the early stage of saying, no way, we, women can't do this. She turned them and she showed that a woman was just as good as a man, if not better on so many roles. 
And today that's changed in the Australian military that women now serve and can serve in these particular units and across the world in America and uh, UK and other parts of Israel and so on. And I'll never forget that her heart, and that was it, her heart and her drive, I'll never forget it to this day. And, you know, um, and when I watch your story and what you guys went through at those early stages and what you've turned and reshaped the WWE as it is today, that's what I believe this Debbie girl did to parts of the Australian military to this day. And I, I, so I really, I really get it. Wow. And that's I get a- what you guys went through and uh, full admiration. Yeah. Thank and you know you. what that's I love incredible. about that is that even though she didn't get selected, what she did was still open up doors for women. Correct. By changing the minds. And that is like. And she never gave up. And she, she never, never gave, gave up. up. And that, never never yeah, gave that's up. bigger that. than. She became the role you know, model. She became a role model within the military to say when the, the bigger hierarchy beyond our regiment started to look and go, actually, we've got to start taking this serious about letting women into certain parts that have traditionally always been a man's world, we've got to start opening this up and discussing this. And she opened the discussion point and, uh, and today the world is very different for, for women within yeah. the military. You know, it's crazy because Nicole and our stories a lot like hers in the sense too of where women now are doing big things. They're main eventing, they're having these crazy matches of matches that we all wish we had when we were, you know, um, in WWE at the time, but it took Nicole and I to kind of be like her to not give up, to change the minds and the hearts of the men to allow women. So it was like, we did the same things her. we might not have been selected, but we opened up those doors for now. So many women to be selected to have those spots. And that means more to me. Like, it's like, okay, maybe I didn't main event WrestleMania like a couple of the other girls, but I opened up the door for that to happen. And that means more to me. I agree. Well, because you take that fight that you have and that courage and that bravery, you take it into so many other aspects in life. Like, you know, Debbie has, she's probably taken it in so many other places in her life. And it's like, you can't teach that. And it's like, you can have these championships, but to me, the true victory and reward is when you're at that forefront of the fight. Um, because we know the feeling of not getting it or having to fight hard for it and not having it and then getting it. And then the women that come after that, they, they get it. But to be at that forefront of fighting for it, you're a pioneer, the pioneer, right. That's just it's unlike any championship or beret or any title you could ever get because it's just that group only goes through it till history is made. Exactly. And you know, it's funny because being a girl mom, I I love it because I want to teach my daughter the same strengths and I want her to not follow in my footsteps, but to be strong in her own footsteps. And we saw her at the park the other day, this boy kind of gave her a hard time for being scared to go down a big slide. And we loved it because my daughter stood up for herself at three years old to a big boy. Like yeah, he had, he to, had be, to be eight or nine. Yeah. And she stood up for herself. And I she mean, was like, she actually even said, listen, boy, which <laughs> was, what did you, what did you say to me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he goes, you're scared. And she goes, and it was the cutest thing. She goes, I am scared. And it doesn't matter. 
And, <laughs> and then he like kind of looked at her and she was, Hey boy, don't talk to me. <laughs> and like, it just wouldn't stop. And I was like, go Bernie. This I mean, is three amazing. years old. And I literally was, I felt I was crying laughing because I just, I have never seen her so fearless and like how it just came out. And she bowed up, like she oh, really? had a bow she up to where, yeah. yeah, her dad had to tell her to back up because she almost wasn't letting, he was climbing up something to go on the top of the playground and she was like blocking him Wow! to wow. come up on She's the platform. She's got that warrior spirit from someone. I, yeah, yeah. I was like, Brie, well, you're not going to have to worry about that I one. know. Or that's a future WWE mm -hmm. champion and Hall of Famer. Uh, probably. <laughs> but that's what Nicole and I like to breed in women and the youth is like, you know, especially... Because it is scary to use your voice. It's so scary to stand up for yourself. It's <laughs> oh, it it's so even <laughs> harder sometimes to just, there's so many times I've sat in business meetings or even wrestling meetings or so many things where I'll sit there and I want to say something. It's like in my head, it's on my tongue, but I don't have enough courage and I regret it. But when I saw my daughter do that, I was like, you know, I don't think you'll have a lot of regrets in life because you're just spitting it out already. It took me probably until 30 years old to actually have enough courage to really speak my mind. Speaking of and, regrets, um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I, I was wondering, like, you know, are there any, like, major kind of regrets that you guys carry with you, you know, from maybe even before wrestling through your childhood or whatever, you know, things that, that, you know, have haunted you and that you've had to deal with or that have helped you, you know, become the people that you are today because, I don't know, you had to repress them or you had to face them or something. I was just talking to Damien. The reason I bring this up is I was talking to Damien earlier today mm. and, um, and discovered something completely new about him just through the idea of the, the things that he hasn't wanted to face up to or think about in a very long time. And I suddenly thought, wow, you know, when the girls were on the podcast, you should probably ask them. That. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. Yeah, I to faced my them. demons today in a question. Yeah, why don't you tell talking them? about you guys? Yeah, tell and, them. And and, and what we're going to talk about today. And look, you know, it, it's something that I bury deep in 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 I guess in my in my journey, and. It's not often I don't really talk about it much, but it's the guilt that I carry through my life. And, you know, I try to be strong and determined for my family today and 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 be that role model. And, and, and Brie, you're a mom and, and, and also about to be a mom again to a, a newborn. And Nikki, you're about to be a future mom. And it's so one of the hardest jobs in the world is actually to be a parent, but a good parent. I always say that it's, it, we can all be parents, but to be a good parent and a role model is one of the most difficult jobs in the world because it's tough being that parent, because especially when you're juggling your career, you're trying to provide for your family. And what, at the same time, you're trying to provide for your family. You actually neglect your family because you're trying to provide for your family with your career, if you know what I mean. Right. And and all these uh, these areas that we the difficulties we face and. I've carried a lot of guilt in my life um, for things that I regret and I probably haven't wanted to face up to them. And, and you know, it goes back to my father and my, my grandmother on my mother's side and both my father and my grandmother on my mother's side both passed away with cancer quite young. And, you know, it's what I'm burdened with to this day, whether it's DNA or in, in, in the genes or who knows. Um, but... I remember when my grandmother um, 
was ill and I was living in Sydney in Australia at the time and my, my grandmother was up in Queen in Brisbane in Queensland and she'd been sick for a little while and um, my parents had gone up to Brisbane to, to be with her and um, they my parents gave me about a week's notice and said, Damien, we're going up to Brisbane to see your grandmother. She's really not well. And I was busy. I was young, getting on with my life and trying to build a career for myself and so on. I was like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll come up. Don't worry, I'll be up there. And didn't really understand the severity of the situation. I did, probably didn't appreciate it that well. And the long story is, um, I, I with one of my best friends, I dr- decided instead of flying from Sydney to Brisbane, I decided to drive with him from Sydney to Brisbane. And actually three quarters along the way, there's a city in Australia called Surfers Paradise. It's kind of like in America, Las Vegas, <laughs> you're Las Vegas. And we drove on that way, on the way to Brisbane. And as we got to Surface Paradise, I love you rubbing your tummy. <laughs> He's pushing his butt out so hard right now. I'm like, like, is he going to tear through my stomach? Wow. I'm like trying I, to I pat him and like so rub him. Yeah. And, and he's when like I was thinking downward there, dog. We kind of stopped in Surface Paradise and we thought, let's stop and refuel. <laughs> Refueling became, let's stay for the night. You know, we can get up to Brisbane tomorrow. Let's stay for tonight. And and we did. We made that decision to stay, or I made that decision, let's stay tonight. And then the following morning, after a big night out, and I was hungover and whatever, got in the car with my friend, he drove, and we got to Brisbane, which is still about an hour or so away. We got to Brisbane, and we got to the hospital where my grandmother was. And I remember going up into the hospital and going into the area, the reception area of this this part of the ward, and uh, there was a nurse on the reception, and she said to me, hi, can I help you? And I said, hi, yeah, I'm here to see my grandmother's name. And she said, oh, and can I ask who you are? I said, I'm I'm her grandson, I'm Damien Lee. And I never forget her, I was at the counter and she literally just put her hand on my hand and took my hand. And I thought, that's really odd. And she sort of led me away to where my grandmother was and she held my hand. I was just thinking, that's <laughs> nurse holding my hand, that's weird. And went into the room and there in the room when they opened the door was my mother, my father, my grandfather and my uncle around the bed and there was my grandmother in the bed and everybody turned and and looked at me and said Dame they they call me Dame Damien for sure Dame where have you been and I said um you know I've been driving up from Sydney and I looked at my grandmother and she looked so peaceful and she looked so at rest and I could see the tear in my mum's eye and they said Mutti's part, we called her Mutti, uh, which is German for grandmother. And they said, Mutti passed away an hour ago. She was waiting for you. And I I never forget the guilt because I decided to stay one night to go party um, that night before. And Mutti, with all her strength, was holding on for me to get there. And I failed. And I carried that with me for a long time, that guilt and that why god what have i done but it doesn't stop there (laughs) it doesn't stop there um my father as i mentioned also passed away with cancer and 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 years later funny enough 2001 um my father was 62 when he passed away with cancer and i was living here in the uk and my, my my dad was back home in in australia and he'd been ill for a while dealing with cancer 
And um, my mom and I'd been on the phone and, you know, it'd been going on a couple of years. And uh, so I kind of just took it for granted. Dad's doing well. He's okay. He's dealing with it. Da, 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 da. But it got to a point where mom said, your dad's really not well. You know, he's in hospital and da, da, da. And I said, no, dad's strong. He's okay. He's dealing with it. And she said, you've got to come home. You've got to come home. And I said, okay. And I decided instead of flying from, from London via Asia to, to, to Australia, I decided I'll fly via New York because I had a lot of friends in New York. Um, and I said, oh, I'm going to do a stopover in New York and catch up with my friends on the way. And I did. And I stopped in New York. And uh, I never forget, I was in Soho, New York at a hotel. And I knew I had my Qantas flight back home to Sydney that afternoon. And my friends there said, stay another night. Come on, let's get, it's a great party going on tonight. And I was like, no, I've really got to go. My flights this afternoon, I've got to get on. They said, come on, there's a great party. And you know what? I made the same fatal mistake making that decision. Yeah, what's, it, what's another night? And I canceled my flight and booked myself on that same flight the following afternoon uh, to stay for a party. And uh, so I got on that flight the next afternoon. I didn't call home. And I got on that flight and flew to Sydney. And when I got to Sydney... Um, my, my dad was actually up in Cairns, a place called Cairns in far north Queensland with my mum at the time where he was ill. And I got in Sydney about to connect my connecting flight up to Cairns and I rang mum. I said, mum, I've landed. I'm in Sydney. I'm, I'm just, you know, an hour I'm getting on my flight to Cairns and I'll be up there shortly. And she said, dang. Okay. And I knew in her voice. And I said, mum, she said, your dad's just passed away. He's waiting for you. That breaks my heart. Yeah. Oh my God, I have chills everywhere. Oh my God. And I never forget, I left the airport. I walked outside of the airport at that point and I cried and cried and cried. And I was so angry with myself. So angry. I thought, I've done it again. But Um, what what do you think? What do you think the catalyst was? Because there's there's probably a part of you... um, Sorry, I'm just chiming in as a voice here, but um, there's probably a part of you that mm. that didn't want to, that just didn't want. Maybe to I didn't want to face up yeah. to it, or, or at the time I didn't understand the gravity of the situation. But it happened to me once, and I let it happen again with two people that I love more than life itself, that were so close to me, so precious, and I let them down. And they waited. Each of them waited for me, and I carried this burden and this weight for me for years. This guilt that I couldn't let go and it tore me apart for so long in my life. And I tried to keep a brave face. And I think it's defined me as a human today and a human being who I am as a father uh, of two boys, single father. I have my own challenges with my own health. Um, You know, I'm terminal. So I really feel that I don't wanna have myself or other people make the mistakes necessarily, if they can avoid it, that I've had to carry for so long. Yeah. But, I, 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 but I have reached this point in my life where I feel that my grandmother and my grandfather have come to me in the night and have kind of released me from this guilt and burden. But it took years. But I know they've come to me and I know they've, they've released me and said, Damien, let go. We forgive you. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's another story. But I know that. But now... I'm so... You don't procrastinate. I don't procrastinate about decisions I make anymore. I don't make these mistakes, but I also want to encourage people to not procrastinate 
or not make the mistakes that I've made as a person through my experiences to say, if you have that chance right now, don't let yourself get distracted. Don't get taken off piste. When there's a really important decision that you've got to make in your life, make it. Don't put it off because it may right. come back to haunt you for a long, long time and, and define you as a human being, not necessarily in the right way, but you'll carry this burden. And I've had that, but I feel released now. Yeah. And I'm not sure, you know, if you guys have had similar situations, because I know your backgrounds and, and what you've been through with your own families. But I mean, have you got similar it's well and Burns. you know one thing like for me that I and I always try to tell myself like Nicole don't ever use the word regret how can you learn from that mistake because regret is just one of those words that I feel like sticks with you and you know you carry that but mine was like carpe diem always is that how you say it carpe diem seize the day seize the day yes yeah, yeah. seize the day that always sticks with me because it's like I felt like, especially in my youth, there were so many moments I could have seized and I didn't. And it's like, for me, like I would tell Brie, like, think of those summers that we would be so bored. Why didn't we make every day count? Like we were so lucky to have those days and those days could have been just something so much greater. And I'll always think of that. And when I become a mom, like I'm going to make sure that my son can seize every day that he wants to seize, whether it's learning something, an instrument, a language, or wanting to just go somewhere and learn about birds in the sky or flowers, like the most simple things. And I felt like at times I would let myself be bored or I didn't make myself better. And I would always try, like I would regret it. And now I try to be like, okay, don't, don't regret it. You've done it now. And you're now, get you still you know, have more life to do your goals. But it's like, I, I wish I would have seized more moments when I was young. Yeah. And I have one personal one and one business one, but personal, you know, I'll never forget the time my husband had neck surgery and I had a big press thing I had to do for Total Divas and the pressure was on me to be at the Total Diva thing. And I picked it and I picked it over my husband having neck surgery because I was like, well, when we talked, he was like, no, I'll be fine. And I'm strong enough. But that was him just saying it. So I wouldn't feel guilty. But my husband had to go into this major surgery alone. And as a wife, I should have been there. And to this day, when we talk about it, it gives me this really sick feeling inside that I picked something so dumb and that I wasn't truly needed for over something that was really big in his life. And that ended up being like a career ending type of thing as well. Um, yeah. And so for me, I just, when I saw my sister going to neck surgery, I'll never forget the fear she had, but she had a lot of us supporting her, but all these things. And I go, Holy crap. My husband went through all of that by himself, got rolled back in the room by himself. He was waiting by himself Everything he did was by himself. He came out of it by himself. I wasn't there. Yeah, that's pretty messed up, Brie. Yeah. <laughs> so I really regret that. And yeah. I will say sorry to him all the time. She, he's like, you just said it last week because yeah. I remember wow. being around. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Where were you, Brie? 
I was in New York yeah. New at a red oh, carpet God. event. That place. Shit. Jeez. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that city, that feminine energy yep. that just drags us in. Right? <laughs> and I was in New York on a red carpet promoting Total Divas. Like, it, and it kills me to this day. And I'm like, why didn't I, like, I'm mad that I, I'm mad the decision I made. And, and I, you know, my husband's let it go, but still I'm like, you need to work on releasing it now. Now I have to work on releasing yes. it because it still irks me. And that's it, isn't it? It's about releasing that that weight off our chest. And yes, and I, said, I, I, I said I believe my grandmother and, and my dad have released me, and I feel so much lighter today. And and maybe yeah. however you release it, it's yeah, it's, it's what we need. You know, it's interesting though. I've, I've got so much respect for your husband. <laughs> from that story, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do it all on my own. You know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he did it all on his own, all by himself. I mean, the nurse literally FaceTimed me. What was the a neck? Woman what, what did he have going on with his neck? Because I've been he had a bunch myself, of. So. Oh, okay, he had a bunch of bone spurs that were pinning his nerves down in his neck and like, um, like I don't know where neck, maybe up or shoulder, but um, just from wrestling. Oh wow! And yeah, so, yeah. but it was causing so much nerve damage in his arm and his hand, where he couldn't even open up a car door. He couldn't. Um, hold a mug, um, all because of these bone spurs pinning down the nerves. So it was like a major surgery. And then I'm on a red carpet in New York City. <laughs> wow, the things we Kills do. me. Well, you know what? Um, I just want to say, guys, you know, I've taken a lot of your time today and tonight, t- tonight, today. Um, you guys have been absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I want to thank you for being here today. I guess my last question to you guys is, you know, you guys are role models and you inspire a lot of women and, you know, and people around the world. And, you know, what is the message you guys want to reinforce and push out there today and to, to, to so many people that are inspired by you guys? What is that? You know, what is your mission? It, you know, for me, it would be to definitely walk in your truth and know that you can be the hero of your own story, that you can be the survivor and not the victim. Yeah. And for myself is to, you know, I tell everyone, trust your gut. Your gut's always mm-hmm. right. Um, I never trusted my gut, which made me never trust my voice. And the minute I started to trust my gut and use my voice, I broke a lot of barriers. Um, I became success, successful in ways I never thought ever. If you would ask me at 10 years old, I'd be the person I am today. I wouldn't have believed you. Mm-hmm. And um, But it took me to really just dig in deep and pull out this courage, this bravery, and trust, like Nicole said, you know, living in your truth, but just trusting yourself. And so I always encourage people, use your voice. Your voice will never fail you and trust your gut because that will never fail you either. Mm-hmm. Well, Amen, sister. Thanks for joining us. Um, just so you know, you know, at some point, hopefully we'll get together again and, you know, yeah. continue this. The, the interesting thing is that Damien really, you know, is he's, he's very modest and I love that, you know, you guys had an opportunity to meet today, uh, you know, and talk and, and kind of, you know, your story parallels in, in, a lot of ways, um, his own, uh, even though his is in kind of the, the 
business kind of disruptor space kind of uh, with um, specifically uh, and combines it with a with a you know struggle and, and survival story um, with his health and you know you guys also oh, I mean, Nikki I know you you were next um, was was in deep trouble at one point as well so you have that yeah. too but um, but it's fascinating hearing you know you guys kind of go into the details like you guys have grown up so much you know that um, I feel like you know, I, I was a little bit left behind. <laughs> you know, when I, <laughs> you know when I first met you guys. Yeah, when I first met you guys. You're busy you doing your you movies, as now. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you really are inspirational. So, um, thank, thank you. Thank so you. Much. That means so yeah. much. I'm so that happy that you did this. No, truly, I can't thank you enough. And um, uh, and, and listen, we're going to send you some stuff, by the way. Uh, so, um, so you can see kind of what he does, you know, when he's not the day job. We love that. <laughs> the day job. Yes. And, uh, and when you see it, and you, you kind of see what he, what he actually has, has been doing. It will blow your mind. It's, it's amazing. I mean, hopefully we're going to do away with the, with the plastic waste issue that, that the world is, is dealing with right now. And, and oh, it's a huge yes. problem. Um, and the health issue in terms of, of, of food and eating and so on and so forth there's a, like he's really pushing in, in those directions so um so the combination of you know your spirit and you know his kind of uh, innovative products and so on and so forth trying to change the world in his way i think um you know really sp- sends a, a positive message out there into the world i'm really happy about that <laughs> all right I bye guys you thank I miss you, you both bye bye love you too okay, okay. Bye. bye bye guys Take care, guys bye. thanks bye. so much bye. Hi, thanks for tuning in to today's show and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, But please make sure you tune in again next week where I have with me the incredible Mr. Wesley Snipes. That's right, Mr. Wesley Snipes. A deeply spiritual and incredible guy. Uh, You're going to love the show, I'm sure. So I hope to see you next week.